Welcome to Wellness and Weight Loss for Busy Moms. I'm your host, Tracy Baird. Whether you're an expectant mom or an empty nester, a foster or adoptive mom, a stay-at-home mom who rarely stays at home, a working or entrepreneurial mom, or even a mom who's been promoted to grandma, you're in the right place. Moms, let's link our virtual arms together as we strive to make progress on our family's unique wellness journey. Let's get started. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the podcast. I am here again with Cami. Hey, guys. And we are wrapping up our February theme of healthy relationships and that sort of general wellness topic of being healthy in relationships. So today I want to talk to talk about social connectivity and its implications for health. Okay. Yeah. So there's actually a huge body of research about social connectedness. Some studies measure it a little bit differently. Sometimes it's, you know, the number of relationships you have. Sometimes it's the strength of those relationships. Sometimes it's the lack of, of stress within those relationships or how well they are thriving. But overall, the research is unequivocal, right? <laughs> in which social connectivity is beneficial for aging, aging healthfully. So okay. there's actually a concept. Um, I was looking into a book called Lo- "The Longevity Paradox." Okay, and the idea behind the longevity paradox is that actually, in the United States, we are living longer than 50 years ago, for example. Right. But we're actually not necessarily living healthier. So maybe our life is longer, but there's a longer part at the end where we're where we're suffering from illness, disease, cancer, you know, various health challenges. Mm -hmm. So the idea is behind this book is that the idea of living well and sort of like there's a concept of health span that is not just lifespan, but it's like healthy lifespan. Interesting. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting idea. That is an interesting idea. And to that point, it just makes me wonder about how they're, how do we look as a nation and is that different in other nations as far as health span goes? Well, it definitely is different in other nations. Um, I'd say as a general rule, we are trending toward longer lifespans. Just recently, in the last approximately 10 years, we have taken a slight dip where it's the first time in like yours and my lifespan that mm-hmm. national lifespan is actually going down a little bit. Mm-mm. But generally, <laughs> with, with innovations in healthcare, um, right. treatment of diseases, people are living longer and longer just for for. Example in 1960, the um, average lifespan for a man was 66.4, and then about 10 years ago, <laughs> for some reason that's the data I have, it was 76.4. So that's like a 10 year increase yeah. from 1960 to 2013. So, but the main point I wanted to make today was that social can like positive social relationships actually help your health and contribute to a healthier, longer life. So are those like really deep relationships or those relationships that like, Hey, I know the post office and the lady who gives, who I, who I buy my groceries from. What kind of social connection? Great question. Because 
actually you're getting at two of the different measures that they measure in these research studies. So one example is the actual uh, number of social connections that you have. So they could be loose connections like the lady at, you know, at the post office who (laughs) you see when you mail your mail, but deep connections and actually strong marriages also are particularly predictive, especially for men. Mm-hmm. Um, men seem to benefit more from marriage health-wise mm-hmm. than women. So that's kind of interesting. That is interesting. It makes me want to draw lots of conclusions that probably aren't accurate. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that I think is kind of interesting that I found in this, looking into this research is the age at which um, sort of health started taking a downturn for the average person, their healthy life started taking a downturn at the age of 50.9, which is so hilarious because I think I'm exactly 50.9. Well, Tracy, you're going to break the curve. (laughs) I'm hoping to. I'm hoping to. With things like, um, you know, one example it gave was, you know, muscle loss. And, you know, Mm -hmm. with doing strength training recently, I'm hoping I can intervene in those things and try to live a longer, healthier life. But let me just summarize a number of things where good connections with other people actually lead to better health outcomes. So yeah, it's a long list, but okay. here, here are just a few examples. Okay, so overall survival rate <laughs> increases by 50%. Wow. Um, people sleep better. They have less um, dementia, less depression, less unhappiness less cardiovascular disease and cancer, a higher resistance to infection. They actually have studies where, you know, they took people and exposed them to like the common cold and people who had better social connections didn't get a cold as much. Wow. That's so interesting to me. And also um, people who had good social connections had improved recovery from injury and illness. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. Hey, it's Tracy. I'm cutting in and interrupting myself because I really want to connect with you. You can find me at Tracy Baird Wellness on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And you can always find my latest free resource on my website, tracybairdwellness.com. Now, back to the show. So I was just thinking we could sort of brainstorm some things we could do now. Um, I mean, this I was going to say some of us are naturally extroverted and might seek out these opportunities, but in other cases, you know, in general, I think everyone could benefit for, you know, the, the reasons behind this could be many, but in general, just improving social relationships increases health. So I'm saying my premise here for this podcast is what we can do now to strengthen and increase our number of social connections and strengthen those we already have would be beneficial. Yeah, I think part of brainstorming that would be like understanding why did those tend to decline as you get older? What circumstances make those decline, Tracy? Do you have any idea on that? So you mean to clarify, are you saying, so what I'm trying to say is I'm not saying that that social connections decline with age. I'm saying that okay. people who have strong social connections tend to thrive as they age, whereas people with more loneliness, a smaller network of friends and family, mm-hmm. um, weaker social connections to those that they know, do, do, those tend to have worse health outcomes. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, even if you're talking, even as you're talking about that, what comes to mind is, you know, like people, as they get older, they retire, their health gets compromised. They stay home more. I mean, my mother-in-law lives with us. She's been living with us for two years and actually like she didn't go to church today because she had a cough and she didn't want to go and make people uncomfortable by her cough, but she often has a cough. And so that isolates her. So I'm just thinking, what are the situations? I wonder, and maybe we don't know the answer in this podcast, but I just wonder what circumstances when you're aging make you want to stay at home. And I think like we moved in with my in-laws two years ago and we saw how isolated they had become. And these were people that were very outgoing and people oriented and you know, connected with a lot of people, but as their health declined, it was just easier to stay home. And we as a culture don't go visit people that are staying home in general, right? So I just wonder if there's life circumstances that make that happen. And if there are things that we can do prior to those life circumstances, like my mother-in-law moving in with us definitely strengthened her social connection because now she has me and my husband, she has our children, she has you know, and we are connecting her to a larger network. So that has helped her strengthen those social connections. Exactly. There is actually research among this body of research that people who live alone um, have worse health outcomes than people who do not live alone. So I was thinking for myself, you know, if ever comes the time that I'm, I mean, I'm happily married, (laughs) but if my husband were to pass away before I did, I was thinking, I should maybe get a roommate. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we've largely raised our kids expecting us to move in with them. So <laughs> I <laughs> well, never plan on being alone. I'm like, okay, you live with me and then I live with you. And that's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> I do think I, I've always been attracted to sort of like, I mean, communal living might be a weird phrase, but sort of a, yeah. a, a, a living like together with other people. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, one of my um, sort of happiest times <laughs> was Holly. when I was a young single and my, I had a roommate and then we made friends with these other people who were roommates in our, in our apartment complex. And right. on Wednesday nights, we always got together and we rotated who cooked dinner. So we had a, we had a whole plan of who cooked, who cleaned up. We watched a television show that was on Wednesday nights together. Right. <laughs> but, it was just really fun. Um, and I think it definitely promoted, you know, an ongoing social relationship. So that's probably part of it. Yeah. I think I had, we actually had a situation where we built a house next to our best friends in Florida and we fenced in the backyard. And so our kids went from one house to the other through our backyard. It was really was as close to a commune as I could get. And even as I say that, that sounds a little weird, but the connectedness was really, really sweet. And it was so precious to have people that you could live life deeply with. And our kids grew up in that feeling like they were safe and that they had a group of people that cared about them, not just their parents. For a little while there, when I lived, um, when I moved to Atlanta, and bought our first house, we actually sort of got grafted into a friend group. Um, and it was so delightful. These people actually had all gone to the same university, a group yeah. of them. And when the neighborhood was being built, they all bought houses in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so somehow uh, my son, 
you know, made friends with one of their sons. And as a result of that, somehow we got into the group. <laughs> yeah. And it was really nice to be a part of a group. Yeah. Well, and and I to your point, I think there's some intentionality in that. You know, like your friends are showing that intentionality. I see that in when we built, decided to build a house next door to our best friends and and make those choices. They seem like scary because you're a little bit knownness. Like there's a fear, right? Of people who really know me won't like me. And so there's that vulnerability that goes into those kinds of decisions. But what I'm hearing you say is that there's actually a health benefit to being brave and courageous and stepping into those spaces. That's really exciting. So I sort of made a big list of ways to improve your social connectivity or to increase the number of connections or to strengthen the ones. And really, as I'm looking over this list, it essentially boils down to, you know, doing things with people you already know. Right. (laughs) Or going out to find new relationships. Yeah. So, for example, you know, some of my ideas about strengthening existing relationships would be like plan get togethers with friends to do things with your family. Like my... um. Before the pandemic, my mom now lives local to me for about seven years. We had gotten into a pattern of she came over for dinner once per week. And then we also had a Bible study group that we did together a different day once per week. And that Mm -hmm. was a great, like just a regular time to see my mother. And I'm sad. I, I, she's actually out of town right now. And I was just thinking as I was putting together some notes for this podcast that when she comes back, I want, I mean, I want to start setting up sort of regular times, especially she does live alone. And, you know, so I think it would be beneficial for her as well as for me. Yeah, I love that. I I do that. I do like dates. Like I really fostered dating within my children, within with my children and doing sibling dates and doing parent child dates and doing which we've talked about before, but I'm I'm a big like date within your family. That sounds so weird to say it that way, but like, you know, go out and have that intentional time of sitting across from each other and asking each other those kind of deeper questions for connection. I think that's really important. Yeah. I love that. I remember when I was a young parent hearing advice to, you know, maybe on the day of the person's birthday, like, you know, my birthday's March 24th. So maybe, you know, on the 24th of the month, would be an example of, you know, well, in this case, it would be my children's birthday, but you see what I'm saying to just make it a regular thing. Yeah. And, and I think you really have to fight for that, especially if you have a lot of kids in a bigger household, because that one-on-one time is harder to get. Mm -hmm. And so I can see that. Um, What about, how do you, I know that you can connect through church. So that's one avenue. What are some other ways you would encourage people to connect if they don't have that kind of church community to kind of tap into. Exactly. There's tons of research that being a part of a church community or, you know, a synagogue, a religious community Mm -hmm. um, is beneficial. And some of that might be because of the social connections, like you were just, you know, implying, but also, you know, perhaps joining a gym, um, Mm -hmm. joining a book club, maybe a writer's group, just mm-hmm. basically finding any kind of group that there would be repeated, you know, a women's club in your neighborhood or in your community. Join a class. <laughs> My mom um, has been going on these senior trips where they go 
sort of like a day trip locally. So then it's like the camaraderie of you're meeting people, you're going as a group to a, a place together. And most people haven't been to this place. So it's like discovering a new thing together. Um, so basically, it's just finding where the people are right. and going to it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I can see that being easy for me because I tend to talk to the wall. So like talking to a stranger isn't intimidating to me. But I just wonder how people that really struggle with that, what are some tools they could have to encourage them? Because I could imagine that even... Well, even in church, I think it's easy to come watch the sermon and leave or go to the gym, do the workout and leave. Like, how do you, how do they step out into being proactive and building those actual connections? I'm just wondering. Yeah, that is a good question. And I think you just said, you, you know, you can talk to the wall and so can I. So <laughs> that might not be the yeah. best question for me, but I'd say, I mean, maybe going it, this would be hard if you're brand new to a community, but perhaps mm -hmm. an idea if you're not brand new and you already have a friend, you know, right. perhaps going to these events with a friend. So you have, it's like your friend is your wingman or, you know, yes. um, so, and maybe yes. if you are introverted or if you do struggle with conversing with new people, maybe so if you have a number of friends picking a particular friend that might be most advantageous, like your friendliest friend. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I think that is a thousand percent true because I think that having one friend that you go in, I was just talking to a woman this week about that and how she had an experience where she was feeling very rejected and vulnerable in a community and um and another woman came in and really befriended her. And so she knew if she went to those events that that other friend was going to be there and it made it safer and made her feel less vulnerable. And that whole idea of having a wingman can really be transformative for you if you're not terribly gifted with being an extrovert or, you know, fostering those social connections. Mm -hmm. I also think what maybe a little prep work, like, for example, when we meet each other in our culture, it's very common to say, what do you do? Right. Something like that. Or, you know, even something like, how many kids do you have? Mm -hmm. Those are questions that have an answer right. and it's not def it, it's 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 interesting in a way but it's not really that interesting so i think about what would be interesting questions like you know what do you like to do for fun is like my easiest question that's sort of easy for the person to answer but also interesting and yeah. maybe if i'm getting to know people even better like what are you passionate about mm -hmm. i think that's a great question I think that's another really great idea, Tracy, to think through what are some questions to ask? Because I do think curiosity, I mean, I've talked to my kids about this over and over again as we've moved to a new community and they've had to kind of break into different groups. And, you know, when people's greatest desire is to be seen and to be known. And so if you come into social interaction where you're not, you don't know a lot of people, being curious is a great way to get your foot in the door because most people like to talk about themselves. <laughs> and right. so if you ask them questions, they're much more likely to engage with you and connect with you. And then you can find someone who is, um, Anna Green Gables used to say about her friend Diana that they were kindred spirits. And so you're looking for that kindred spirit. <laughs> That's funny. I just read the book, Anna Green Gables somewhat, like I started the series somewhat recently, like within the past 18 months. So that's funny. You should say that. Yeah. 
Well, sort of in conclusion, so besides going places where people are and meeting new people, the other one is to cultivate the relationships you already have. So, you know, date your spouse, go out with your kids, like you were saying, get with your family, maybe your extended family. I've always been jealous of people who have family reunions every year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to do that, but yeah. I'm trying to make it happen in my family, but we'll see if I can succeed. So yeah, I think that's that's probably a great place to wrap up. Cammie, do you, um, do you agree? Yes. I think that was really interesting. I'm very fascinated by this research you've done, Tracy. So I thank you so much for sharing it with me. Well, my pleasure. Well, as usual, we're here because we care about you. We really do. We want you to live your best life and you are worth it. Thank you for joining me on Wellness and Weight Loss for Busy Moms. If your goals include fat loss or tuning up your fitness and nutrition, I'd love to have you in my next Faster Way to Fat Loss group. These launch about once a month. You can find more information on this on my website, tracybairdwellness.com. Now hit subscribe and then make it a great day.